Chapter 16 of Fruits of the Spirit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Kachuk. Fruits of the Spirit by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter 16 Life, Growth, and Heaven. When people thought of the life of man as the expression of a divine purpose mysteriously frustrated, and of the earth as a great ship which had drifted onto the rocks, and from which a few fortunate souls were saved by supernatural lifeboats, heaven was a harbor for those who survived the great disaster. The supreme effort was to save oneself in a lost world, and to land in safety was to be in a state of bliss a fixed condition of perpetual thanksgiving for rescue there were always those to whom a vision of the divine nature brought a divine thought of heaven and for whom behind the most literal and rigid conception there was a glory like a golden sunset behind a sharply defined landscape in the ordered world of dante the static world of the middle ages heaven was a place of ineffable beauty bathed in the white light of perfect holiness but it was still primarily a place of safety the very whiteness testified to the blackness of the world that world had been succeeded by a heaven in which those who had escaped the great condemnation chanted their gratitude in unending songs of praise heaven was a static state of bliss the middle ages differed fundamentally from the modern age in the omnipresence of the thought of death and the absence of the idea of progress the medieval imagination was obsessed with the thought of death it haunted the happiest hours its shadow fell on the noblest companionship it lay in wait at every turn of the road art made it terrible by a ghastly realism every man was always moving reluctant and shrinking to his open grave the symbols on the tombs were the symbols of mortality the image of the crucified christ faced one on all sides the risen Christ was seen only over a few great altars. And the medieval world was stationary. Men stood in fixed ranks and expected to remain in the state in which they were born. Society was arranged, so to speak, in tiers, like the audience in a great opera house. Rank rose above rank, and the doors between the ranks were closed. Now and again a great man broke through the barriers and made his way from the lower to the higher places but outside the priesthood the fixed order seemed to mark the permanent structure of society of the forward movement of humanity of a divine intention enfolding all things and bearing them onward of an increasing purpose running through the ages and making history significant there was no thought save in a few prophetic minds Today the thoughts of men are dominated by life and death has become an incident in the unbroken life of the spirit an incident enveloped in mystery but still an incident not a final decisive event we accept no obstacles to life as insurmountable the insane are no longer given over to hopeless madness the lepers are not driven away with stones and curses and compelled to proclaim themselves unclean punishment for crime is no longer torture it is corrective like the surgeon's knife blindness is no longer a state of helplessness the blind are taught to see with their minds defective children are educated 
and society accepting no defect or degradation as final is becoming a great organization for overcoming disease with health and death with life the memorials of those whom we call dead are no longer the skull and crossbones the hourglass and the skeleton they recall great moments thrilling with life farragut with his field-glass in his hand sherman riding to victory lincoln erect and commanding in the majesty of his noble simplicity even the mysterious figure in the washington cemetery from the hand of the most distinguished of american sculptors is charged with vitality as it stands baffled for the moment but with unspent power the figure which dominates the religious imagination of the world is not the dying but the living christ who brought life and immortality to light and who came that men might have life more abundantly and to a static has succeeded a dynamic world a world that was not made but has grown and still grows like the living thing it is not a noble piece of mechanism finished by the hand of god and sent whirling into space to move by an impulse imparted once for all in the pre-beginning of things but the thought and purpose of the infinite taking form and motion sustained moment by moment by the power of god the witness of his constant presence the imitation of his thought growing hour by hour under his hand and society is no longer stationary but becomes more and more a living and growing organism enlarging its vision of opportunity opening its doors adapting its institutions to the needs of its deepening and widening life for that which is divine and immortal in the world is not social and political institutions but the human spirit and that which is permanent and fundamental is not the order of society but the will and purpose and power of god behind the confusion of change and the restlessness of movement in him we live and move and have our being more and more the thoughts of men turn to the future of the race more and more they realize that they have only a life interest in the treasures of civilization which god has placed in their hands and that these things must be used not selfishly but passed on to those who are to come after them more and more they realize their duty to children more and more they see that the earth ought not to be primarily a workshop and incidentally a home but primarily a home and incidentally a workshop they believe in the upward movement of the race and they stand ready to help it the modern mind is dominated by the thought of life and the inspiration of the modern world is in its faith in progress which is the social application and expression of the thought of life the life of the world is still full of pain and strife and heaven is a refuge in the thought of those upon whom crushing burdens have been laid and to whom the breath of life has meant sorrow and anguish heaven must always be a refuge but it must be infinitely more eternity is too long for rest after the struggle of earthly life and the fatigue of the body is not the fatigue of the spirit the sorrows of childhood overspread the whole sky and blot out the sun but they are forgotten the next day it may be that the first breath in the next stage of life will make disease and sorrow a faint memory nor will the chief thought of the state of being we call heaven be a sense of rescue from a great peril it will be a sense of joy in a glorious vision of the possibilities of the fuller life 
of those possibilities no man has yet dreamed though sometimes there come moments of rapture when for a second of time one feels the capacity of immortal joys within him as earth was a place of stationary orders so was heaven in the thoughts of many noble souls in the middle ages a place of stationary bliss where choirs ceaselessly thank god for deliverance but there is here on earth a nobler expression of thanksgiving than the giving of thanks far sweeter to a noble father is his son's noble use of the opportunities put in his way than any words of gratitude far sweeter that son's growth in mind and character in usefulness and influence than any expression of thanks love finds its supreme reward in the fulfilment of its highest hopes for child or friend heaven must always be a place of refuge but that will be only the beginning of the happiness it offers only the look backward at the starting point of a glorious liberation of the spirit and heaven must always be a place of gratitude but the sweetest praise of the infinite must be the fulfillment in his children of the divine possibilities he has wrought into their natures life and growth the divine elements in the life of man on this earth must be the elements of man's life in all worlds and the supreme bliss which we call heaven must be not only escape from the limitations of earth and from the evil in the world but complete liberation of the spirit strength of heart for all service vigor of mind for all truth purity of nature for the vision of god heaven is not the backward but the forward look not skirting the shore in gladness that the perils of the voyage are over but spreading the sail with confident gladness and seeking port after port in the sublime adventure of the spirit seeking god in that adventure heaven will become an ineffable joy in the fulfilment of the potencies of life not in rest but in flight without fatigue not in folding of the arms but in tireless growth will be the bliss which we call heaven End of chapter 16 Life, Growth, and Heaven